All right, Veloce, welcome back to Talking Points. Welcome to everyone who's listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are, and everyone who's seeing our faces on YouTube. Now, me and Aldas, it's not just us today. We are joined by an incredibly special guest, the voice of modern and future Formula One, as far as I'm concerned. It's Mr. Alex Jakes. Alex. Woo! Gentlemen. Energy. Yeah, where's the energy? <laughs> Come on. How you doing, mate? Doing very well. Great to be here. First of all, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Pleasure. And I'm, I'm saying you're enjoying our set. This, this set has evolved set. over time. Yeah, I told you before we started recording, now. like I'm a sucker for a set. And this is some of the nicest recycled wood I've ever seen. We're so done. it's done. right up there in my list of recycled wood. Aldas so. made it by hand. Yeah, well, literally. In Did his dreams. <laughs> <laughs> We've only just started and you're already mugging me off. Obviously, like, I've got to roast you, mate. But actually, my very first question I wanted to ask before we started, and it is regarding you. You've heard Aldas's voice. We've had a little oh chat boy. beforehand. Here we go. I think this man is built for right. His voice is incredible. Ooh. We could be commentating side by side at one point. That like, might be coming. <laughs> like, do you think he's got the minerals? I think, you know what? Now you've pointed it out. First impression. It's a great voice. Everyone always keeps telling me that. And this guy, he's pushing me into it. I yeah. mean... Against your will. Like Against you, don't, you don't want to commentate, you know. You think, just trying to you think your voice is bang average. Surely. And yeah. yet the positivity from this man on the other side of the desk. You do I'm, the best voiceovers. I'm just trying to keep it low-key, you know, do my own thing. And this guy just pushing me out there. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but yeah. Sometimes you need someone to push you outside of your comfort zone. Okay? Clearly, yeah. And I think now's the time, Aldas. You should do it. Do you know Share what? your syrupy voice well, with the world. Has your do voice it. ever been described as syrupy before? Uh, no. You must have heard that one. No. I've been called too loud. Um, no. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, the worst thing is, is that people, like you're saying mm. here, it's like, oh, you, you do have a great voice for it. And then the first time that someone's like, mm, no, I'm not sure. I'm just like, no, 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 no. But all of my, all of my friends <laughs> yeah. said, my family have always told me, like, when you're beginning to start your commentary career, you're like, oh, no, 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 I was told. And then you realise that everyone else in commentary mm. has an amazing voice as well. And suddenly your syrupy voice becomes ordinary. When, when did you first like hear that? When, when did you first, when were you first told, Alex, like your voice is something, something different, something special? Maybe because I wouldn't shut up at school. Okay. So yeah. I think it was a back, backhanded compliment. You're one of those yeah. guys. <laughs> like, you just turn it down a bit. Turn it down <laughs> just, just a touch. I mean, what is it like commentating? What was it? Because we obviously, we read that you started in football and doing stuff like that. But what was it like doing motorsport as well? Because I mean, for us, like that's a dream. It's, it's just crazy. It is a dream. It's still a dream. There are still pinch yourself moments every single mm. time you pick the, the microphone up and you're looking at something that, I mean, I wanted to do it since I was a kid. I think you get two different types of commentator. I think you get the type of commentator who falls into it and they mm. are just irritatingly talented and they just so happen to be able to do it. And then you get the people who've wanted to do it for such a long mm. time that it all becomes, you know, oh, maybe I could get this opportunity and this opportunity. I mean, I've been ludicrously lucky, but every single i usually get a kick out of every race weekend i mm. do honestly in the the adrenaline you get when you're trying to you're trying to summarize you're trying to bookend what everyone's seeing and then not go too over the top mm. explain it for someone who might have found it for the first time there are so many things that go into it but yeah it beats a proper job i'll tell you that i'm mm. guessing the butterflies as well do you get that same kind of doesn't matter what you know what racing series it is do you always get those butterflies as well yeah and i think it's part of it's part of the passion. It's part of the yeah. energy. It's part of the excitement that you then hear coming out of your speakers mm. on, on the TV. Is that yeah? I was excited for. I mean, we're getting to it early, but 
this Sunday's race is the sort of race where you're like, look at that grid. Mm. <laughs> look at what we could get. Now, I didn't expect we'd get what we ended up with, but... I don't think anyone saw that coming, yeah, to be but fair. But no, most normal weekends, absolutely, there's... It doesn't matter if it's a Formula 3 race. It doesn't matter if it's a title decider in Formula yeah. 1. There's always a moment of, what are we going to get here? Yeah. You know, this is exciting. I can't wait to see how this plays out. Yeah, that's always there. And there's one thing, because this is something when I started, you know, doing videos and listening to myself, I could not get over this. When I started listening to myself, mm. I couldn't do it. I literally, I could not really? listen to it. It was so annoying and it was so, I just, it was a bit cringe for me. I could not do it. But how did you find listening to yourself for the first time or listening back over like speakers or something? No, I love the sound of my own voice. No, oh, no, no. come on. Can you imagine if you that was, have to. that's you not yeah. serious. You okay. <laughs> um, no, you do have to, you do have to go back and review what you're doing because mm. occasionally you might use, you know, you might use the word phenomenal too many times. Like this weekend, I said foot to the floor too many times. It is Belgium. It is spa. Mm. It is something that happens. But you're like, okay, you've got to skim through. But you don't sit there and rewatch. I mean, think of how yeah. much of a narcissist you'd have to be to go back and go, oh, yes. I've oh, done it brilliant. again. Like, no, you're going through to make sure. Oh, I just watched back my videos. Isn't it? I don't know what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. You're, like, doing it. you're doing it. You're like, I've nailed it again. Damn it. I'm, I'm actually a narcissist. Oh. And drops a like on his own video probably as well. You're that person, aren't you? I mean, all engagement helps. Yeah, exactly. I did a great job. I'm smashing it right now. <laughs> but I've got to ask as well, like, obviously, you know, again, a weekend like Spa, mm. amazing kind of qualifying session, you know, it's it must be easier to bring the excitement to a race where you can see it, it like the conditions might be rather than a, a more bland race where typically there isn't like your, your job is to bring the same level of kind of energy and excitement. Like what's your, what's your like morning routine? Like <laughs> are, you, are you about 14 espressos deep when you jump on the mic or, or it's really weird. I was making a coffee just before the Grand Prix on Sunday and someone was like decaf. And I was like, it's going to be a long day. If it kicks off, it's going to be wild. I don't need any extra. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to be off the charts excited. I mean, <laughs> you know, the Slow morning burn. the morning routine is keep it calm, mm, keep yeah. it relaxed, because you're gonna get carried away in the same way that you would in the living room when you're you're mm. going, you know, when we're expecting them to go up the hill to leg calm and, and you're mm. expecting that battle for the lead, then that's the the same thing you're reflecting. There's not that much difference. The main difference is in the prep. The yeah. prep is everything. If the prep isn't done, if I haven't got a sea of notes in front of me, that's yeah. when I'm. That's when I I'm was, nervous. That's when I'm jittering. I was going to ask. So that's like a spotter guide, right? That you yeah. have. And yeah. I've seen with like football commentators do kind of. It's, uh, it's always different. Clive Tilsley, and they've got all these notes. Like how yeah. long? How how much preparation goes into? A weekend because obviously I know a lot of those you, you probably won't use 90% of the information you've written down right absolutely right yeah absolutely right but if it's not there yeah so you've got a spotter's guide and you've got age wins time with mm. the team uh all the before anything that you might need anything that might be relevant form in the last few races you've got the season results there mm. I usually just wallpaper the commentary box because the one time you're like, I won't need that. <laughs> That's you the one time, it. yeah. And, you, and then yes. you're fumbling around on the laptop and, you know, some commentators have a headset. Mm. I like a old school nice. Coles mic, yep. you know, the same thing that basically hasn't changed in, in style since the 1930s. But it does mean that if you're ever caught out, you're trying to type very, very quickly <laughs> and find it. Oh, no, like, <laughs> when was that? When was that? And then that's when you need the the filler lines of, like, making mm -hmm. his way through. Blanchimont, where is it? <laughs> you know, that's when. So that's where you do all your work in the in the week before yeah. is to make sure that you don't have those moments that you're that you know that all the information that you could possibly need is in front. It's a strange thing. It's like revising for an exam, and then the ex entire Literally. exam 
is improvisation. Mm. You don't want to use any of those notes. You're no, hoping no, no, for no. a race where you're just identifying cars and you're you're excited with everyone and you're bringing it to life. And maybe the hardest thing that you have to do is mention battles that we can't see. That's mm. the ideal scenario. Uh, but yeah, if this was the commentary box, every surface I would have would, would yeah. have yeah, paper yeah. on it. We see those pictures actually all the time of commentators and there's just papers, like it's wall to wall. But what do you do if something goes wrong? Like, I mean, if you kind of lost for words and I think about, at one point I saw an interview where he said it just kind of, kind of turns into like word soup or something. So yeah. how do you go through those moments? Well, when it's exciting, it's important to be appropriately excited, to not go completely over the mm. top. You know, it's 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 meant to be loud, but it's meant to be appropriately loud. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. You're not meant to be screaming your lungs out the entire time mm. because not everything is George Russell on the front row out of nowhere. Yet when that happens, yeah. you've got to have an appropriate reaction. Mm -hmm. But then there's no faking that. If you're having to think about your reaction to a Williams being put on the front row, you probably shouldn't be holding the microphone. Mm -hmm. That yeah. should just yeah, be a natural 100%. distillation of the reaction that you would Shop. have whether you were where yeah, you were yeah. watching. So uh, word soup, yes, it's a nightmare. So occasionally <laughs> your brain will go. I'll give you an example of it. GP3 race, Russia, a few years ago. David Beckman, I think he was up against a driver called I can't remember who he's passing, but it was on the it was on the last lap mm. and my brain went, right, David Beckman takes the lead, right? And I don't know whether because it nearly sounded like David Beckham, but what I said was, Beckman scores! <laughs> and I'm like, what have you done? What have you done? What is that? And, oh, and, 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 and I don't know what it was. You're and, in a Clive Tilson and, and, come out. It like, yeah. and, it, and it was weirdly football-ish style. And I was like, that wasn't really how I sound. Oh, that so wasn't funny. really how I... And then the rest of the lap, because I think he yeah. got past at turn 13, so you've got the end of the sector to go. The rest of the lap is just like, uh, uh, yeah, no, because uh, like, your brain is like, yeah. do I correct that? Do I not <laughs> your correct that? Your brain is like, like what is like, going on? And you've got no idea what's coming out at that point. So occasionally you think one thing, mm. and it is a really hard job. The speed of these modern mm. Formula 1 cars is borderline ludicrous. So the speed of thought and the car ID, and you're just trying to get it right all the time, mm. but then you're also trying to frame it as eloquently as you can yeah. muster, yeah, which yeah. is the challenge. And then um, you're hoping that you don't, you don't... I got his name right, thank goodness. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. it, it would have been a disaster. But um, I remember thinking at the end, that's the sort of day where you put down the microphone and you're like, thank goodness I get another race in about yeah. 10 minutes because that was that was a shocker. Well, if you had said Beckham, that that would work nicely, like dubbed over a David Beckham goal. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Just exactly. You, that, just exactly. That, that little two seconds. I mean, my boss would have been like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but not for the first time. Not for well, the first more, time. more eyeballs, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly. Also. You're just obsessed with those clicks, aren't you? But obviously, so my understanding is, is your your commentary kind of, when you began, mm. it was actually, it wasn't in motorsport, right? It was yes. kind of football, cricket. Anything, anything that would... I'm saying, what sports take, have you covered? Yeah, like, so, I mean, I've done handball, I've done fencing. I love I handball. Fencing? Know, fencing I'm is hard. I'm the fencing one. Fencing is like, so handball is... You can, you can understand it. You can yeah. advise it. Um, it was an Olympic test event in 2011. And they were like, can you go and do it? And people ask me all the time how you get into commentary. Amazing. And I like, take every gig you can. Yeah, yeah. Just take every opportunity you can. Because the days that you go and do a sport that you don't know, you learn something. But you're right. I predominantly started with football, non-league football on YouTube. So, you know, five crowds of 500. Mm. First game I ever did was a, a club called Hampton and Richmond Borough. Um, and they had a very scary manager who used to play for West Ham, right? 
and uh, oh, he, <laughs> and I was in a little gantry directly behind the dugouts, mm. and he goes, um, he's been very very sweary all the way through the match, and they concede a last minute goal, yeah, and. He, no. Uh, no and I'm like, Dave Hart, oh, no, the opposition have scored and Hampton and Richmond Borough are going to lose. It was contentious, but I think it was just on site. He turns around to me. It's the first game I've ever done. I'm straight out of university. And he goes, it's not bleep, 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 bleep offside. <laughs> and I'm like, well, they're going <laughs> to argue about it afterwards. Oh, my God. <laughs> but the referee's blown up. <laughs> and that is the first... That is one of the strongest reactions I've ever had. And that was that was game number one. And I loved it. How yeah. can you not love being in the thick of it? Like yeah. That? And then that didn't pay. That's just to get a demo that mm. you can then send to other, mm-hmm. other producers. Then BBC Radio, any local game started off BBC Radio Suffolk. There was a guy there called Graham who just lent me equipment and mm. he loved how I sounded. And without him, it wouldn't have happened because you need the equipment, you need the ins, you need to know. And he recommended me to other local radio stations and then i was the guy who if someone was sick if someone was hung over like oh can you go to cardiff yes i can go to cardiff would i make any money going to cardiff no but did you get the experience yeah it was Mm. phenomenal so uh football cricket um interviews for rugby voiceover uh, voiceover stuff for rugby and then uh then i moved to the times newspaper and then uh but my first love my thing that i always put ahead and I did sporadically. There were a few racing drivers um, from Suffolk, so I did that for, for Radio Suffolk okay, and interviewed yeah. people like Gary Paffett and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it was all to get a demo that when the door creaks open, yep. and I'd say this to yep. anyone who wants to get into commentary, have your work ready to go because if you spot the opportunity, Portfolios inexplicably, yeah, yeah. they might actually put you on a plane to mm. Bahrain, even though eh, probably shouldn't have done at that stage. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then it's whether you sink or swim. Yeah. How have you, how did you find in terms of obviously commentating on games and on sports, but then mm. also transitioning maybe into interviewing the actual athlete or the drivers? Yeah. Is that how, such a variety? Yeah. Like that's you know, that cricket and F1 in terms yeah. of the high octane. Yeah. It couldn't be more opposite, could they? Yeah. yeah. I think you have to look at how the, how the way sports are done has evolved. So if you look at the golden generation of commentators who we understand, so Murray Walker is the perfect example of mm. this. Murray Walker was loud because he had to be loud. Mm. Well, some of Murray Walker's TV commentaries are, are literally trackside, yep. not in yeah, a soundproof yeah, yeah, yeah. commentary yeah. box. And so everyone's, everyone's expecting that. But yeah. when I started uh, doing GP2 and yep. GP3, we were in the broadcast center. I was at the back of the gallery and they still had V8s in the back of the mm. GP2 cars. So if you're somewhere uh, like Hungary, where the broadcast center is in the middle of that final turn, Whenever they go past the final turn, you're having to just be naturally louder to hear what you're saying. Mm. So you naturally get to that level. As for the difference, um, with an interview, you're always trying to just find out the reality of the person behind and you do your prep. Um, and I always I always really enjoyed that, especially if you were allowed to ask someone, sometimes with, you guys will know this, sometimes you get five minutes and they're promoting something mm, and you've yeah. just got to try and extract anything you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, it's just like a, it's the, five, 10 minute hangout. Mm. When you get a long chunk with a, with an athlete and you get to delve into their history and their motivations, that is a, that's a great challenge. Mm. I, I miss doing that because obviously the great thing, uh, I've been very lucky to, to work where I've been able to work in the last few years, but then you also work with brilliant people whose sole job is to interview and get that. And then yes. you, you look after the broadcasting, yeah, yeah. whereas you're climbing the tree, you're sort of here, there, everywhere. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, that's possible. So 
Um, it was a lot of fun doing that. But the nice thing about cricket is that and cricket, golf, tennis, you can just lean into this microphone and yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, can, you can not expend every ounce of energy that you've got. Because to, yeah. to tell you the truth, there are some days where uh, I'll come off air and I'm completely exhausted. Mm. I'm buzzing. Yeah. I'm, I'm so pleased to be doing it and the adrenaline's huge. Yeah. And then you're like... Oh, but I I need a I need a cup of tea and, <laughs> and just five minutes of silence because even even I'm sick of my own voice at this point. To be fair, even even when we've been recording this, both of us at multiple points have had like moments where like our voices are going and like yeah. mid video, and it's like so embarrassing but so yeah. funny at the same time. And also, I wanted to ask in terms of we were talking about interviews, what have, what have been some of your favourite in terms of maybe moments or drivers or athletes where you thought that interview was just like so good, or maybe even some, also of, the, bad. some of the yeah, I was literally about to say that. What have been like the best in the world? worst i think interviewing that manager who shouted at me originally uh, <laughs> in my first game because i had to go and interview him post-match baptism of fire that's that's like, it's never been as tough as that um, <laughs> he's actually a nice guy because I, I went back there and he, he mellowed out at the end i think he just had a bad day yeah um it's sol campbell i interviewed the uh former arsenal and england defender on on how he felt his career had gone and he was very open with me and it would have been very easy when you've played for England all those yeah, times yeah. to see me wandering. I was quite young at the time. Mm. Um, and he engaged with the questions and I always uh, appreciated that. Um, that was that was a decent one. Um, I think the year that Lando Norris, George Russell and Alex Albon were coming through, there was just such a great energy in Formula yeah. 2 that year that every answer they were giving was terrific. Mm. And you could start... You could start messing around with them. Mm. You could tell in the year that, say, Mick Schumacher's racing. Yeah. You could tell that he was just completely consumed with it. And some days you wanted to leave him alone. Really? Because you know that um, you don't want to be a hindrance yep. ever. And drivers have long memories. So you, mm. want, you don't want to be the person that pushes on a certain day yep. because... You know, you know that he's going to get through to Formula One if you look at the season that he was having at the mm. time. Um, and there is a time to, to leave it behind. But uh, no, most racing drivers, here's the interesting thing. When you're traveling the world, when you've got to go up through the ladder, you can't be a diva. You can't be difficult. Mm. And if you mess up interviews and you're blunt with the people, so I've been doing third tier, second tier for three years. I've been lucky enough to do Formula One. If the drivers know who's doing those roles. Yeah. And the drivers know that it's best not to be short mm -hmm. with certain people that are going to be framing on air yes. th their career. Yeah, 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 so I have to say, I've never in motorsport, I've had a, <laughs> I've had a few divas in other sports, but in motorsport generally, yeah. and I, I would tell you, honestly, yeah. I would tell you, there have been some frosty answers, but generally no one has ever kicked rightly off. so. And, and that's the thing, because I think what I have really enjoyed about how the F1 broadcasters has evolved even over the last kind of five, maybe 10 years is that I, th I feel like we're getting, and with social media and that, we're getting more of an insight into these people as human beings and their characters. Yeah. And you can tell when there's an interview. I mean, even, you know, around the Euros with the England team there, yeah. the social content they were doing was great because you could tell that the people who were, they weren't interviews, they were just chatting and they were just like people yeah, I, on their level. Hearing various stories about 20 years ago in the top line of motor racing, I think everyone had to try and fit into what they thought a racing driver yeah. should be. And Definitely. with what you've just underlined there, I think now drivers feel that they can 
be honest, they yeah. can be themselves because they have this direct link mm -hmm. with the public that they didn't have before. The one that always made me laugh is when we were doing testing a couple of years ago and Alex Alban, who had been on the F2 driver's parade, joking about how his time with the Red Bull Academy had not exactly gone to plan. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's got a shot call up. Next thing you know, 12 <laughs> races later, he's in the Red Bull. Um, but I remember his first test for Toro Rosso, he said in the interview, yeah, just getting used to high speed. And we were all watching in the commentary box going, don't say <laughs> getting used to high speed. No. And yeah, he's too honest, it's it. endearing. Yeah. It's yeah. him. He was, I'd much rather see the driver's real personalities. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That was just an amazing moment of like, wow, that's honest. And they wouldn't have been that honest 10 years ago. Mm. And everyone goes through that media training. Mm. Everyone gets sat down and, mm -hmm. and gets told if someone asks you this, you deflect and say that. Mm. You know, I think for a period of time, everyone was doing an impression of being a slippery politician, mm. to be honest, which is why you got 100%. some identical, identical answers. And now, and now I think through social media, yeah. Lando's allowed to be Lando, George yeah. is allowed to be George, and Max is allowed to be chilled because, all the time. again, like a character like Kimmy, yeah. loads of people find him super endearing, and he can be more opposite to someone like Daniel Ricciardo, yeah. who's the life and soul. So it, it, again, Completely. it shows that you don't need to be, be in that box all, all times because yeah whereas i think a lot of personalities felt the need to say certain things and act a certain yeah, yeah, way yeah. and you're on tour now so you know there, there was a culture and it's the same with all sports it's changed yeah, massively yeah, yeah, yeah. in the last 20 years but i think that's it i, I think, think the audience can forward. sense that as well when yeah. someone's yeah. not being genuine when you yeah. like it, it, imagine if kibby rackett came on an interview and was acting like daniel ricardo we'd be like I'd, yeah, what is he I'd love to see that. Break the internet if he exactly, was suddenly yeah. the loudest guy. Maybe in the a room. few Jaeger bombs. You just know, <laughs> with him basically on the brink of retirement, he's fine interviewing. He's, yeah, he's, 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 he's definitely been, not he's been a like. song and dance man the Imagine. entire time. I think it's one of those things though. Motorsport <laughs> is a little bit different in the sense that in. He, in stuff like football, you can be whatever personality you really want, but it's your talent that does most of the talking in motorsport. You have to be very aware that it's the team that will get you in the best possible car. Yeah. So you're not only, your talent mm. isn't just the be, and, like, the be on and end all. You need a good team and you need a good car. And sometimes yeah. maybe not not frustrating some teams. We know some drivers, you know, have said some stuff that perhaps have got them out of seats. So that's absolutely true. Mm. So it's one of those things. Motorsport is very unique in the way that some drivers have to have this very clean personality to make sure that they're open to some teams as well. Yeah. I, I definitely know drivers who have missed out on drives with big teams as a result of saying the wrong thing, maybe yes. being overly negative. And you want to work with people who are going to energize your team and you yep. want to put someone in front of the camera that you know is not going to let down your sponsors who are paying mm. a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, with social media as well, uh, you've got the ability to see their true personalities. Because yeah. I think we've got some, I think we've actually got some real characters on the grid. These Absolutely, definitely. 100%. I think the, you, we've got, some of the best characters. But again, maybe that's just because we're seeing more, obviously the, the teams are creating content behind the scenes as well, yeah. which obviously helps. But but obviously alluding to the whole kind of, you know, drivers maybe not getting the opportunities, mm. you know, given your knowledge of, of the junior categories, is there a particular driver that stands in your mind you think maybe slipped through the net? Who oh man. Never, because I'm, I'm sure there's many, but are, yeah, is yeah. there like a particular one or two that... I always feel sorry for Stoffel Van Dorn that right team wrong wrong time mm. and it and it happens teams go through different eras and there's the ebb and flow of modern motor racing but van dorn i think with maybe a, a different time at mclaren and a, and certain driver you see it with all sports but certain drivers need a little bit extracting mm -hmm. um look at the standard of rookies that we've got these days 
uh, so, someone like Yuki Tsunoda being, oh, isn't he having a bit of a patchy season? Well, I'd argue that rookie uh, that Yuki Tsunoda is having a normal rookie season. Mm-hmm. That he's having exactly the sort of rookie season that I recognise through the years. It's just we've had some exceptional rookies that are plug and play, that yeah. find a way to immediately get up to an elite level. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I feel sorry for Stoffel van Dorn. Um, Nick DeFries has got a Formula E title now, so do I feel that <laughs> sorry for quick Nick? But I think he deserves. I think he deserved a chance. You remember that uh, in Formula One, that amazing year of George Russell, Lando Norris, mm. Alex Albon. Ten points off the back of Alex Albon yeah. is Nick DeFries that year. Um, there are some brilliant people who don't even get to yeah. Formula Three. You know, the budget side of it is always something that the people with the big jobs, the biggest jobs need to keep an eye on because you don't want to be denied talent and you don't want to be in a situation where, and we're not in this situation, but you want to believe that you're watching the people that are among the 20 best drivers yeah. in the world. There are always yeah. going to be politics and budget considerations and all of that. But yeah, I'd say Stoffel van Dorn in a, in a different era at McLaren, I think would have been a totally different mm, driver. Yeah, I think, because I literally did a video about this a few weeks ago and I said the exact same thing, the right team at the absolutely worst time. And yeah. I feel something yeah, else yeah. that came in, except for the Fernando Alonso factor as well. I mean, that's always going to be difficult, but also the car, because there's a very big difference between Lando coming into a really good car in 2019. Mm. It allows him to show his uh, his talent, allows him to extract some good performances. But when you come into a difficult team that's struggling to develop their car, it just it's even worse as a rookie. Yeah. But yeah, Stoffel van Dorn is... He, was, he is a good driver, and he's proven it in Formula E as well. But I feel like mm. that year also in 2018... Mm. I think that might be the strongest ever year for Formula 2 in terms of that grid. I mean, we talk about Lando Norris, George Russell, Albon, Nick DeVries as well. I mean, can you think of any other years where perhaps the entire grid has just been even better than that? No, and I think we I think we realized it at the time that it was yeah. something genuinely special because they were all great personalities as well and all different in their own way and Alex wasn't expecting maybe to be in the title fight. But equally, if everyone around you is saying, "Yeah, this guy's this guy's mm. legit." I mean, I remember Charles Leclerc saying, like, yeah, I think Albon's going to fight for the title pre-season. Mm. Like, really? Like, I mean, you know, it, it didn't, didn't, didn't have the... I'm Alex's beast. Yeah, he's, he's, he's absolutely Albon's And I was Slider. totally wrong. I was totally wrong. And, and Alex was... Some of his drives were phenomenal, mm. and he is the only... Ah, your question. Uh, listeners that have stayed with this podcast will <laughs> remember the They're question all still here. earlier on, where that. you said uh, driving was difficult in an interview. Yeah. Um, that is one of my favorite years of doing the job purely because uh, George, Alex and Lando, someone like Jack Aitken was on that grid and race winning mm. that year as well. They would muck around with you yeah. in a way. They would feel comfortable to do that. Alex Albon digged out. He, uh, what did he do? He found Alex Albon went and I wasn't on social media for a really long time. And he found a picture of me on my first day in the job with this stupid bowl haircut. I'd gone to the hairdressers and they were shut. So I did my first <laughs> day in the job oh, no. and you have permission Shocker. to dig this out and use it all right <laughs> i look like a muppet and it's 2018 we're in russia we're going around on the truck and i think i'd made a joke at his expense on the previous yep. driver's tour and it's when he was being linked with the drive and he was like please stop mentioning helmet market I've, I've got a real chance i've got a real chance of getting this drive right and uh we were messing around and he was like what about this and he pulls up on his phone and George had oh said by the God. way he's going for you and I was like what's he gonna do he finds this picture of me with this stupid haircut shows 
shows the camera. Brilliant. And I was like, cheers, what a Alex. Legend. And of course, what did he do that day? He went and won. So I had to, oh. I had to give it the full... You had to be what? nice to him as well. What a brilliant drive <laughs> from Alex Alpin. What a, what a genuinely nice guy. And he is the loveliest bloke. He is genuinely really, really I just good. love how but that I, But prepared. I love that. That was, that was super. Yeah. But the fact that he was like, I'm getting him back. I'm getting him back. And yeah, that's my fault for the haircut. But yeah, I think that's a big part of, of F1's appeal was that, you know, we've got... We've got as many drivers as there are Premier League teams. And obviously yeah. with football, you know, you can get into a club, but, you know, typically there's managers and all that stuff there. But I don't know. I feel like, and obviously with Drive to Survive, with kind of me doing my YouTube stuff and how that's kind of extended and, and you know, people in, you know, my friends' friends and friends' friends of friends have kind of got into F1. Mm. That They're really jumping on the characters. And again, I think that's a credit to how the broadcast and how like people like yourself, where, where you can extract that side of the drivers. Because it must be like, as a racing driver, you're there because you're very good at racing. Mm. Not necessarily, like not every character is so, you know, is a, is a Daniel Ricardo where they can just yeah. be themselves and, and let that, like, it must be pretty intimidating for especially some of these, you know, younger drivers in F2, F3, who, you know, you're sticking a mic in front of them and they're like, yeah. Like, like, do you help? Do you, do you feel responsibility to try and help them through that process? You do a little bit, yeah. yeah. In, in all honesty, I, you can take, I think every broadcaster has to take the approach that they're comfortable with, mm. but I've always erred on the side of if I can avoid criticizing these drivers are teenagers. Terrible right? chair, for example. Yeah. You know, and, and, and such a young grid in Formula Three. And mm. I just always thought, you know, if they make a terrible error, you've got to call it out. You've got to be honest. But if it's 50-50, they're going to watch it back because they all review the races with their engineers. And uh, it's a lonely place when it goes wrong. Mm. It's an amazing spectacle, a Grand Prix weekend. But even even in Formula One, if it goes wrong and, and if you, you know, we talked about Stoffel earlier, um, it's rough mm. because you've devoted your entire life to it and you've missed friends' birthdays, and you've basically missed normality because you've gone all in yep. on this dream. 100%. And I've never risked my neck driving a car. I've, ne I, I've never put myself in a single seater and done it. So I work with some amazing co-commentators mm. who have done it, and I would always structure it along the idea of, well, here's the layman's guess, mm -hmm. now let's get the expert. And I've always thought it should be that way. But yeah, yeah you're, never, you're never making stuff up that isn't there. But if you can be kind some days, yeah. like I said earlier, drivers have long memories. And yeah. uh, a, kind day, a kind word in commentary on an off day will get you a good answer three years time down the line. Mm. It just will. And also... You know, I'm just a short lad in a con box with a microphone. <laughs> I really don't want to be passing judgment on whether someone's braked five meters yeah, too yeah. late. When I've got Alex Brundle, Davide Valsecchi, yes. you know, in the past, Jolian Palmer, yeah. and, and, and now with the work with Channel 4, David Coulthard, Mark Webber, been there, done that, mixed it, been in championship battles, um, produced amazing overtakes, raced with some of the greatest drivers ever. Why on earth would I mm. give that opinion when they're there? Yeah, so I guess yeah. that's not your like. In the same way that again with like Crofty and and, and Brundle on, yeah. on the on the F one comes like you know Crofty's the energy, Martin's more like the insight. Yeah, you're and you're, teeing, you're teeing up the questions and and you're you're bringing yeah. it you're bringing it in. Yeah. But before we get into the spa, we will talk about the race. Don't worry, we will get there. <laughs> We're going to review qualifying. Yeah. I wanted to ask you of the current driver kind of the twenty drivers in Formula One right now, who do you reckon? might take your job one day 
Ooh. Who could you see doing a good job on comms? Given none of them, you none stay away. I've got bills. One to of pay. a kind. <laughs> um, well, you're obviously... you can't do it forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just saying. Kimmy uh, Raikkonen's retiring. I think probably maybe at the end of the season. Imagine. Drivers who would be great in the commentary box. Well, let's not let's not overcomplicate this. Daniel Ricciardo is going to be amazing value when he stops. Uh, yeah. George Russell is an amazing mm -hmm. communicator. He is just, that's one of the reasons for his success is yeah. that he is able to say exactly what he needs and and he does it in a way that he brings people with him mm. yeah, rather yeah. than seeming demanding. Uh, George Russell's going to be amazing uh, when he is done. Ricardo is obviously going to be terrific fun and make no mistake, he's a he's a fun guy. Sometimes when you're jokey and, and, and you choose to have a laugh all the time, you forget that. Think of the technical knowledge. Yeah. You know, Daniel Ricciardo's making corners, uh, changes mid-corner, mm. exit of the corner, multiple Grand Prix winner in quite a good period of Formula mm, One. Yeah. So he's going to be terrific fun. Uh, the Maybe the surprise, I think Carlos Sainz is going to be a phenomenal. He's amazing. Phenomenal. He's so eloquent yes. and considered. Very articulate. Um, and I think that reflects, I mean, look, he can drive for any team. He can find a way around and... and Maybe it's in the genes, but he's very, very good, good at finding a way to adapt it. And mm. I think if you can do that with your driving, he'd be able to explain it to someone who's switched mm. on for the first time and a diehard fan. Yeah, every single time I've read anything about Carlos Sainz, it's always talking about just what like a great person he is in terms yeah. of the technical side. So intuitive, always working yeah. and just a really good communicator. And yeah. we've seen that throughout all of his teams. He's also, done a great job. final thing to say, you've got to want to do it. Yeah, yeah. You've got to want to do it, and yeah, yeah. just because um, you might be good at it doesn't yeah, necessarily mean you've got you want the knowledge. It. You've got to unpack it in a way. There's, a, there's, a, there's obviously an art to the way that you describe things, mm. and it's speed of thought, and it's maybe pulling something from a different angle, and it's recognizing what drivers know that the public don't, mm -hmm. and the great ones, like Mark, like David, yep. like Martin, are phenomenal at going. You know, I never considered it from that point yep. of view. So yeah, those three for me. Yeah, I think I, George for me. He, George is yeah. great at like towing. He, he's got the media training, but also there's a reason that he got the reception he did at Silverstone because yeah, you know, he's a quite the prospect. But well, talking of the actual racing and George Russell and George <laughs> we'll Russell, we'll get into him. Perfect segue, world class. <laughs> so I learned from the best. Um, I look. I mean, obviously things didn't go the way anyone wanted them to on Sunday. It was a shame. Um, but we did get a classification. George Russell got his first podium in Formula One. Max Verstappen got the win. Daniel Ricciardo, P4, producing yeah, that. he's loving it. I've got to shout <laughs> him out, obviously. Um, I guess uh, we'll get into the head-to-heads, but I guess first and foremost, let's talk about Saturday. Yeah. I mean, they say rain is the great equaliser. How, imp how impressive, like, because I think everyone found that impressive, but given the knowledge that you have, the experience and how you've seen, you know, that you've been quoted saying, you know, it's like seeing the band before they're famous when yeah. you see them coming for F3 no, and really F2. Uh, like, like seeing George P2 in a Williams, like, is that as insane as it sounds? It's weird because we had a dry, we had a dry run at this so that I had to miss my first ever uh, weekend of commentary because a colleague got pinged for COVID. So we all had to self-isolate mm -hmm. in Austria. And in Austrian qualifying, Lando Norris very nearly does the unthinkable. No one's talking about that going into the session. And I'm sitting in my hotel room going, no way, no way, <laughs> no way, no way. Ah, oh! yeah. because you just get swept yeah, up yeah, in the moment. Course. You do, yeah. And I remember See them thinking purple sectors. you know, uh. I wonder what I'd have actually said if I was on the mic mm. at that point. 
And then I got to find out because I was like, all right, George is purple in sector one. We'll worry, we'll worry about that mm. if he's, he's purple in sector two. And then I basically said, okay, let's, let's not all, it's let's not down. go crazy here. <laughs> and, and then he goes through purple in sector two and I was like, no. all right, we can go crazy now. <laughs> we, can, into we, that can probably, we can probably lose it now because this is not a drill. Uh, that's the eighth fastest car in Formula One, um, according to the Constructors' Championship. Uh, given some of the analysis, some days is the ninth fastest yeah, car. At yeah, best it's eight. It shouldn't be in Q3. All right. It, how he did it in the dry at Silverstone, ridiculous. Mm. How he did that in the wet is, I just, you know, clearly the team have taken such a journey in the last few mm. years in that they know that they can't fight on the car, but they've got a driver that inspires them. And Nicholas Latifi is a great guy to work with from the very start. They're out there on intermediates. They mm. had confidence on the intermediate tire. They clearly have found something, look for something on the off days. When can we take advantage? Mm. Okay. And uh, as a result, they clearly had a confidence with the setup window. That's all fine. That's all great. Can you find a way through? Great. Put it on the front row as inexplicable. It's still inexplicable. It happened on Saturday and I still can't believe it. I still can't believe he put the eighth fastest car on the front row. And it's if, baffling. if you think of the shocks in qualifying, and we were trying to go through it in the commentary, yeah. Place, you think of the shocks in qualifying. Shocks in qualifying tend to be session gets red flagged at an awkward moment. Okay. And you get a yep. mixed up grid. Thinking back to like, you know, Austria 98 when Fizzy Keller's mm -hmm. on pole, the track is drying out. Yeah. Okay. So it's who's going to be last mm -hmm. over the line? And it's Fizzy Keller and a Lacey. The mixed up grid in 1999 in France, similar conditions. You know, you've got people all over the place it, just purely because it's the time that you went out. That was a straight fight. Everyone had mm. Q3 and to deliver that, I mean, the speed, he's having to brake harder mm. into all the corners, right? Because his car does not have the braking capability. Yep. So he's losing in some place. And then the speed he was taking through Puon was, yeah. was ridiculous. If anything, that lap has been underhyped <laughs> because it's outstanding and wonderful moment for him and genuinely, genuinely brilliant. I feel like the race almost did take away a little bit from that lap, but we can't underestimate just, he deserved those points. He deserved that podium. He's not going to care about, you know, what happened in the race because that lap was just unbelievable. And also there is a factor to see him in front of Lewis Hamilton as well. I mean, just, it just smacks you in the face. Yeah. I mean, he, he wants he to finish his in... time first as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, uh, he wants to be in that car as well next year. Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. There are some oh. moments in, you get it a lot in say Bahrain when there are massive differences in the tires yes. and you have to double check the timing screen. Hmm. Um, when Lewis went over the line and did not beat George, that was, I reacted and I was like, look at it again because you've read it wrong, right? So I blinked yeah. a couple of times, like, I mean, is that- Look again and I looked at the graphic on the, on the main international feed and then I looked at my timing page and I was like, well, we have to get excited now because <laughs> that has ha actually just happened. It's extraordinary. That's one, of the, that's one of the great qualifying laps. But also he wasn't the only, you know, young British driver that you, again, you've seen their progression through. I mean, Lando Norris, him and Max were, you know, I think Lando had the edge. He I was think, quickest in Q1, yeah. quickest in Q2, and he looked like the favourite. He could well have, and that if Lando had put it on pole, that would have, yeah, you know, it'd have been George P3, yeah, Lando P1, like, and Matt, would have been Lando's Matt. first win as well. And he was driving with so much, so much confidence. And Mark Webber was talking about, look at how much Kirby's taking here, and and look, and you know, just outstanding to see that progression. And he's in the form of his life. Hmm. It's such a shame. It's such yeah. a shame, but. <laughs> 
you know, he will have other days and he yeah. will have a lot of them. And what he's done this season it's has been outstanding. But um, yeah, Lando in the wet is always special. The level of consistency. I didn't realise like, you know, there's certain drivers that are known for their like wet weather ability. Yeah. And I didn't really, like, I, I don't think it really, Lando's clearly mm. like there's something about wet weather driving. It's just, just on a different level. Yeah. I We had a situation once where, uh, what was it, F2 in Budapest. And I remember this race because our commentary uh, monitors went down. So I had no screens. So I had to stand on the table and look out the window. <laughs> going past Sergio Sete Camera, his teammate that year, into turn one. And I was like, I think he's got past, but I wasn't sure. Mm. And so you're, you're just waiting and you're hoping. And eventually the big screen opposite the pit building came back on and I was able to do like two minutes of the race from the big screen for the fans. Mm. And he just drove away from everyone. That's the year that we're talking mm -hmm. about as well. He just disappeared from everyone. I think I said something in commentary, like, can you believe that? And someone from his Carling F3 team takes back going, yeah, we can believe <laughs> it because he did this in the wet last year. So he's always been phenomenal there. Uh, it was a real shame. It was a real shame. And thank goodness he was all right because there are no small accidents at, at that part of the racetrack. There are definitely not. But obviously moving on to, to Sunday, I mean, from your point of view, um, how did that day play out for you? Because obviously working for Channel 4 now, you're yeah. not on the live feed. Yeah. So it's not like, like, are you still having to to feel or is it is it a different experience? Yeah, so it's, it's worth pointing out, we record everything as live. Yeah. And then our amazing editing team have to for contract boring, really boring, <laughs> for actual reasons, have to thin out some of the race yeah. to a certain time code, uh, which means that, there is no room really to re-record anything because they've got to be on it because they've got to be yeah. telling the story of the race. And it's the sort of thing that you would never notice when it's done well. Mm. And it's the sort of thing you'd notice immediately if it was done badly. So yeah. we have an amazing team working on that. So we're covering off all the options. So when uh, Perez goes off, we're covering off a line there. But no, I was not doing like the other guys who were like <laughs> a mammoth oh stint. What I will say though is that uh, I've done my time of life, Phils. Mm. All right, I've been there. I've got the badges. Um, when the Nürburgring was washed out last year yeah, on yes. Friday, I had to do all of practice for that. <laughs> you get a little message in your ear going, um, yeah, uh, Sky might go off air here, so you might be the, the, main, the main commentary. So just be aware at any mo moment you might be commentating on, uh, on F1 TV. And just to let you know, uh, we are contractually obliged to do the whole thing. And just like, like that, just drops it in there. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> you start thinking face. about what you're going to have for tea. And you, yeah. start, you, start, you start thinking like, oh, I do fancy pizza. And you're like, oh, we're doing all of it, are we? Great. Oh. Great. So, yeah. You I've, can't I've been there and before. commentate at the same time. Whereas if you're doing a highlight show, yes, you are covering off, but like, I was just, you know, 15 cups of tea, my body weight in biscuits. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I have to say, in my brain, I was like, <laughs> You never switch off. Mm. You never think you're not going to do a yeah, race yeah, yeah. because, you know, funnily enough, it's never happened in the history of the sport before. So they're not going to postpone it because they never yeah. postpone it. So I was like, oh, it's, it's going to get, you know that the only thing that was realistically going to stop it was going to be sunset. And you knew mm. it was a little bit dark when we were doing one yeah, of the Formula yeah, yeah. 3 races this weekend. So you knew, all right, that's the hard limit, but you knew they were going to stop the clock. Yeah. Yeah, we're all going, they'll find a way. Oh yeah, three hours, is it? Yeah, three hours, <laughs> they'll stop the clock. When they stop the clock, you're like, yeah, I told you they're going to stop the clock. I mean, it was a very, very strange day. Yeah. But I, yeah, up until, up until the, you know, when they sent them out and it was obvious there was no improvement, yeah, yeah. Then, then you It wasn't going to happen. 
but for the fans, man, yeah. I've, I've, I've been on that hill. I've <laughs> paid money to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a pretty ropey time when I went to Spa in, in, in 2010. Our tent got flooded. Someone nicked my wallet. And nice. yes, everyone there on Sunday had a worse time than I did in 2010. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so yeah. I really feel for each and every one of them because they're all thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. They're all thinking, of course, we're eventually going mm. to get a race. No matter what the reality is, no yeah. matter how hard it's raining, you keep that. the belief. Yeah. But it's actually, but the problem that we had at Spa as well, and we have a good friend of ours, Sim Dane, who's another really great F1 content creator. He was actually there and I was texting with him, you know, just asking what's, what's happening. And he said the biggest problem and the biggest frustration for him as a fan actually being at Spa is that they weren't getting updates. Uh, they didn't know. The communication yeah, wasn't there. There was no updates. The crowd weren't told for three hours in terms of what's happening. They just saw the medical car sometimes and then they saw three or four laps. This has yeah. to be a learning experience, I yeah. think. Oh, without doubt. Definitely. No one, no one wants to go through what happened on Sunday ever again. And the, the useful thing is uh, that there's a smart bunch of people running that sport and they will learn quickly. Mm. If you think of the strides that have been taken in the last few years and all of that everything you've yep. covered already so far um you can't control the weather but everything exactly. else they will they will look at and doesn't I'm mean sure, I'm we sure can't improve you know? absolutely and even handing out the points i think that was a very big discussion yeah, what do you fans. two think about the points the problem for me I is wanna, that i get opinions out i totally understand the regulation of of course less than 75 percent, so half points but that's for a race and we really didn't get it and the, my biggest issue is that and uh, some journalist said that, I think it was Ed Straw from The Race, th that was a box ticking exercise. Yeah. That was purely mm. just send them out. We've got classification that kind of, it covers Formula One fully. Because I, I think I was saying to Tomo beforehand, no one can legally get a refund because you've had obviously Friday, you've had Saturday. And even on the Sunday, you had Porsche Super Cup, you had F3. And even though Formula One didn't happen, you have a classification. So for Formula One. And W Series. And W Series as well. Big up exactly. Jamie Chadwick. So that's that was the biggest frustration for me. And we only had, I think it was four laps of actual running, four or five. And yeah. to get half points, I mean, I love, George Russell, amazing. You know, I love that he got the podium and he fully deserves it. But it still frustrates me that they kind of gave mm. out points for a race that wasn't even a race. George Russell might be the firewall that stopped it being an enormous yes, argument yes. down in the pit wall. Because I think everyone has been so impressed with him. And it was such a lovely moment to see mm. him on the weirdest podium ever. <laughs> Uh, he was still buzzing, by the way. He was just well, like... Well, to quote Talladega Nights, it might be on a technicality, but if you took it away from George, he would have socked you in the face. Yeah. I think, what is it, Tiago Montero in uh, Indianapolis <laughs> yes, 2005. Was. He doesn't care how it happened, but he's yeah. up there. Look, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I don't I don't agree with points being given out, but mm. I can't begrudge George for celebrating. Of course not. This is a huge moment yeah. for Williams. You, you saw how much that meant to him when, yeah. you know, him and yeah. Nicky first got their points. Yeah. You know, it, it's been such a story for Williams, and as much as that person... Yeah, I, I, I think that giving out points, I understand a lot of the drivers, you know, Pierre talked about it, Fernando talked about, you know, yeah. he was the first idiot to quote him um, <laughs> who didn't get in the points. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's, it's frustrating, but also, I don't know, I, I, I get that it would be such a shame to have all that FP1, FP2, FP3 qualifying and, you know, there's no reward for it. I mean, we talk about, you know, I put a tweet out, sprint qualifying was an actual race, an actual 30 minute race. Yeah. And it was just three points for one, two for two, know, one for three. Yet you get bizarre. two laps behind a safety car and it's half points. So Yeah, and there was even confu confusion in terms of, oh, 
Kareem Chanok said it perfectly. He went to six different teams mm. and he got six different answer, answers in terms of how many laps we've even done mm. of racing. So yeah. there was clearly some technical issues as well. And even afterwards, there was some debate over well, the, the fact the, that... The classification says one lap. Yeah, so that was two different <laughs> regulations because you're supposed to do two laps for there yeah. to be a proper classification. But it. it was two different regs. And basically they did three laps in terms of actual racing or what they called it. Yeah. And although there is a... Although it does say in the regulations that you have to do two to get classified for for it to be a race, there was another one that says that when a race is stopped, and again, I use the word race, yeah. but when a race does get stopped under a red flag, it, basically the count back is minus two laps. Yeah. So they did three laps in total, but on count back, it was one. We, we saw it last year in Formula 2 when yeah. Aitken and Giotto had a massive crash mm. and they both ended up in the points despite bringing out the was red flag. Sochi, yes. At Sochi, yeah. absolutely right. So the you've seen it affect the order before. We've never been in a situation where the count back has questioned whether points get handed out. It was completely new territory. I think you can just guarantee that the rule book is going to get updated yes. because Spa has flooded earlier this year. Mm. The Nürburgring has flooded earlier this year. This is going to come up again. Yes, and I think that everyone would acknowledge that the response is going to have to be different if it does happen again because yeah. it's amazing that we've done 71 seasons mm. and that this is the first time we've had to effectively abandon a Grand Prix. So the and provision has to go in there, I think, to change things. And this is the first time I think I heard someone else say as well, this is the first time in Formula 1 history where we've had a classification with no actual racing. Yeah. First time. Yeah. I mean, it's just... The, the rule book is not that, obviously, in massive situations like this, it's not that intuitive. People think mm. about it as black and white, but there are so yeah. many contradicting, even with the Sergio Perez. Yeah. The, obviously, mm. Michael Mazzi thought, you know, Sergio Perez can't come back into the race. He didn't come back under his own steam. Yeah. And then Red Bull were saying, but the race never even officially started because even yeah. when we went on the formation lap, it wasn't green. Yeah. So there's so many contradicting. It was a difficult weekend for the stewards, but I feel like there is definitely some things that was, we can learn from this. I was hoping Alex Albon might have been, you know. Oh, well, uh, technically, Sergio Perez yeah. can't drive. So maybe <laughs> put Alex in the seat. And he then... was in the garage, to be fair. He was there. I'm yeah. just saying. Um, but yeah, obviously, it, it was a shame. The things ended up the way they did. But obviously, we did get some competitive running in mm. terms of qualifying on Saturday. So we will do our head-to-heads as we typically do. We go for all the teams. Few. Look at the driver pairings. I was getting worried. Guys. Yeah. Hey. Let's start with Mercedes. Old habits die hard. Valtteri Bottas. Lewis Hamilton. Who had the better weekend? I mean, obviously, it was Lewis. But I do think we have to talk about Valtteri. That wasn't a great performance by him. Mercedes went wrong on in terms of setup. P8 they admitted in qualifying. Yeah, they admitted that in terms of setup, they went with a low downforce. Mm. They were kind of hoping for it to be a little bit drier, and that's why they were slower. But they made a mistake, and although Lewis did qualify third, I feel like it was a bad weekend for Valtteri. Been a tough season for him, isn't it? Tough season. Uh, be really useful if I, I think if you look at Perez last year. Once they announced what was happening, so you go through that period where mm -hmm. everyone realistically knows what's happening, then it gets officially announced. The uptick in Sergio's driving last year, once he knew that he was driving for his future. Yeah, shot window. Yeah. He's got, I mean, you just imagine every Thursday you turn up and you can't say what you know to be the yeah. reality and you have to go to work. It's just going to put you off on the wrong foot. 100%. So I, I'm, once that announcement comes, I wonder if we will see Valtteri maybe mm. have a little bit of an uplift because... He knows realistically that's the last time he's going to have that car mm. and he has nothing to lose. 
Uh, he's a yeah. total pro, and yeah, but you can't argue Lewis had the better week. Although I think Formula One, you know, they know what they're doing when they put Valtteri and George in the same press conference. They yeah, know they're what they're say, doing. They're never going to say anything. It was like, oh, that's juicy. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, sitting next to each other. It's yeah. just awkward. Yeah, they're not going to, you know, Tom Clarkson is a good friend. He can try all he likes. He's not going to, he's not going to get, they're not going to go, yeah, obviously I've, I've signed. You know, George is not going to go by accident. Yeah, obviously I've signed. Oh no, I told Tom in the world. It's not going to yeah, happen. I mean, I, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, he does a, such a great job. I'm a big fan because he does try to get little, just little tidbits bits doesn't he out of the drivers he, he tries as much as, he, as possible yeah I, i've got to ask you while you're here do, do you know who's going where I, I would be letting the audience down if i didn't ask you yeah have you got some inside scoop i don't expect you to tell the truth um <laughs> well no i think it's going to go the way that everyone expects it to there you go Read into that what you will <laughs> i think it's already be done. wrong that way yeah i think it's already done and i think mercedes out of courtesy yeah, especially to valtteri done. they're just waiting 100 for him to get a seat so that it's it's all clear because they don't want to leave him yeah just for sure yeah i don't think we'll be talking about it come Monza. yeah Fingers crossed, because it's been a long story. Let's talk about Red Bull now. Mm. Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez. Obviously, Max, great lap to put it on pole. Sergio, bit of a weekend to forget as well. On yeah. the weekend where he signs an extension as well. He did a knock-on. Put that in the back pocket. <laughs> as soon as he signs the yeah. extension. See you in a couple terrible. of races time. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, if he obviously, if he could go back, he would have jumped the corner. But the drivers are trying to learn so much on yeah. that lap that you're trying to you're trying to take it like you would the opening lap on it yeah. and just to learn as much as possible. Um, no, Max is, Max was exemplary because that was definitely both for Max and Lewis. That was a qualifying session where it's very easy to drop the ball and, yeah. and to give your rival the momentum on, on, a, on a session like that. And yet both of them are exemplary again, because we're having a heavyweight championship, but Sergio needs a little bit of a reset. He's had a little bit of a patchy run. Um, yeah, and the last thing you want is to come back and have that sort of performance after a, uh, after a difficult run into the summer break. So he needs, a, he needs a reset and that's mm. one of his best circuits. Yeah, so he needs a, a reset. Maybe Zandvoort will be that reset. Well, that's going to be a big pressure race for him because all of the attention is going to be on Max. Maybe that takes a bit away from Sergio so he can kind of just focus on the mm. job. But I suppose, well, actually, one question I definitely want to ask both of you is in terms of what we actually got from half points, you know, with both Lewis and uh, Max, who do you think is going to leave happy and maybe unhappy in terms of the championship, Red Bull or Mercedes? Well, I think I think Red Bull, is, I guess it's an opportunity for, you know, Max put it on pole, Lewis wasn't even P2. Yeah. Max could have got 25 points from that race if that played out. Mm. I don't know. I, I guess I guess Red Bull kind of have to be happier of the two. It's closer than it was before the, yeah. the race started. Ultimately. Three points in it. I think yeah. Red Bull come away going, mm. all right, well, ugh, bad set of circumstances, mm. but it's actually fallen our way this time. And like I think everyone in the pit lane scrub it out. Everyone apart from George and Williams scrub it out and move on to the next <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, because yeah. it, it wasn't like it wasn't the end of the world from either point of view. I think good but, momentum yeah. though. You know, yeah. going into Zandvoort, get that win. So yeah. Well, let's talk about McLaren now. Not Williams. No, nah. Williams can <laughs> wait. All right, old habits die hard. Obviously, Lando was looking very promising. Ooh, but obviously, this is a tough one. This. Yeah, and then Daniel came through P4. I'm gonna know. go. I'm definitely gonna go with Daniel Ricciardo because. Looking back, especially on that incident, I think Lando, the, the curb was reprofiled because I think the track was changed after the flooding. He did clip the inside cur curb quite a bit. And of course, the weather played a massive part, but he still wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't there in the race. So I feel like, you know, Daniel Ricciardo still did a great job, by the way, survived the survived the elements and finished fourth. So, I mean, but Lando was amazing, but I'm going to give it to Daniel Ricciardo. Come on, we've got to, got to give him something. Yeah, I think that's the sort of day. Yeah, I'm going Daniel Ricciardo. 
Uh, Lando was absolutely inspired. Would have been a phenomenal pole. Would have been the team's first pole since 2012. Mm. And I think a, a the expectation was ticking towards that was more likely than unlikely at that stage of the session. He just got plain unlucky. Um, but yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think you got to look at the result. Brilliant yeah. driving, but Daniel kept it out of the wall. No, yeah. I, w- I will agree, producer Matt. I think Ricardo <laughs> as my full house. I, I I think because I know Mike Brundle was saying it on comms. It, I don't actually think Lando did aquaplane because I mean George went through that section before Lando yeah. and obviously managed, but obviously the. You know, we're criticising on these fine, the finest of margins, no, you know. I, in no way can you criticise a driver prepared to send it up the hill no. in those conditions. Exactly. Sometimes it goes for you. Sometimes you make it through mm. and you put you put together an amazing lap. And if it rains harder afterwards, that's the lap. Mm. So yeah. he, he committed to it. So I don't think you it. can blame him at all. But And know. if the FIA say that the track is safe, then you've got to send it. You've got to go for it. That's, mm. your, yeah. that's your job as a driver. And then what about Ferrari? Bit of a... Not great qualifying session, both out in Q2. We don't see that often. Last time we saw that was, was it France when they had a bit of a shocker, didn't they? They do have days where the car just falls out of the setup window yeah. Yeah. and they are chasing it. The one thing that will cheer them up is that they did such a great analysis of what went wrong in France mm. that they were able very nearly to win the Grand Prix yeah. at Silverstone yeah. when the tyres came back uh, of a similar specification. So um, they'll do their homework again. Yeah. Uh, who do you pick? Yeah, Charles qualified ahead of Carlos. It was a P8 and P10 in the end, wasn't it? With all, yeah, of, the with all the... It's unbelievable. Well, somehow they managed a double point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just with the way... Because I think they both qualified Finessed. outside of the top 10, yeah. I think. Yeah. So it's just the way that race panned out. But yeah. I mean, you got to go Leclerc, but yeah, the car just... It wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't yeah. in the window. Clearly. Yeah, it's not generally a great weekend. Very, very close to a nil-nil draw, that one. Yes. <laughs> one of those. Definitely yeah. one of those. Um, all right, let's get on to the teams beginning with A... Alpha Tauri, first and foremost, Pierre Gasly, Yuki Tsunoda. I mean, Pierre has, I think he's now done nine out of 12 races, sorry, 12 qualifyings, and that's not including sprint qualifying, that's the actual Friday qualifying, in the top six. Outstanding. Yuki Tsunoda out in Q1 again. Yeah. Uh, Yuki's having a classic rookie season. Um, is it being, is it being um, amplified by the fact that Pierre's driving so well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, it's being amplified. I mean, he's comfortable there. Mm. He's always been comfortable there. The team he was not comfortable at, he's not at anymore. Mm. He gets that Grand Prix win. That always gives a driver more. Mm. Every single time. You don't see, well, I've won a Grand Prix now. Back <laughs> I go. Like, it doesn't happen. Um, there's a great atmosphere. It's always a fun garage when mm. you, you, you're walking past Alpha Tauri. Um, and Yuki, Formula 4 to Formula 3 to Formula 2 to Formula 1, yeah. that is ridiculously quick yeah and no title wins along the way there so he's learning on the job and he's up against someone who's comfortable and there's a point where you get comfortable you see a driver get comfortable Mm. not just with a team but generally in formula one they've basically gone through every cycle of what they can experience and yeah it is exemplifying that uh yuki is struggling a little bit but he's spoken a little bit about why that is and maybe he's been trying to get it all done on the first run. Maybe he's been thinking about saving saving tires for the team. And realistically, you just need to look at the time and do the basics. They're, they've mm. stripped it back. Um, he's been scoring points. I mean, ignore this race, but he, he had two back-to-back for the first time. So he'll take steps forward, but I think the team will want to see him take steps forward. Yeah, because yeah. right now, they, with you being a massive Alex Albon fan, 
they're desperate for that fifth place in the championship. They are. And the car is there. It's, and it's the car a this good year car. has been there. The and as you said, there. it's just amplified by how good Pierre is and also now amplified by the pressure of some good Red Bull junior drivers even in Formula yes. 2. So yeah. look at Holger coming through in Formula 3. Yeah, It's had an outstanding season so far. The guy behind him, 25 points in that championship. Jack Dewey, yeah. also a Red Bull you got Yuri Vips is an outstanding driver. You've got Liam Lawson. Yeah, there's never a shortage of people knocking on the door. But if no. you're going to put Yuki in that quickly, you've got to give Yuki the full year and then assess at the full year. Yes. yes. I, I, think, I think that is the criticism that I think a lot of people have had of Red Bull. Is it promoting too soon? Because, again, just I've got to mention Alex, obviously, because I love him. Is that, you know, he was almost a victim of his success in his first year at Red Bull. He got yeah. rookie, of the, rookie of the Year at the end of, you know, ahead of George, ahead of Lando. He got yeah. Rookie of the Year at the end of 2019. And he did a really, he did a better job than Pierre in that Red Bull when he jumped yeah. in. Mm. But obviously, if he'd have gone back to Toro Rosso, maybe if Pierre, like, maybe he'd still be in the sport now. It's one of them where it's kind of, you know, you can be a victim of your own success as well in that Red Bull program. It's, yeah, do they promote too early? Not being, not being in the car, not being in Formula One, not having a prospect of Formula One, signing for a Formula E team, mm, and then finding yourself yeah. in the Red Bull 12 races That's into your mad. to your F1 career. There was like a is... six-month period where he went from Formula E, Formula One Torosso, and a race-winning Red Bull. I mean, yeah. it was just crazy. It's the sort of thing that if you bumped into someone in the pub and they were like, yeah, I had a Formula E, I had a Formula <laughs> One career once. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. No, that didn't happen. Don't be daft. <laughs> That's the sort of career he's had. <laughs> but I wonder if, well, the team, that team, AlphaTauri, is designed, we hear, to bring their talent through. Yeah. But Gazi's going to stay there for next year. So it's a slightly different beast to the one that yeah. we've we've had before. So I think the yeah. team realise how good their car is and they still need a Gasly to, it might be, you know, it might be AlphaTauri, but they still want to do well. The, yeah. is, the team need to but do well. Also, yeah. they've got a product to promote now. It's yeah. not just... Yeah. Red Bull in Italian. It's yeah. a clothing brand. They want to see that do well. And they've yeah. talked about sister team more than junior teams. I think we'll, their decisions will, you know, show us whether that is actually a sister or a junior team yeah. for sure. But yeah. as for Alpine, mm. now I, I thought that, you know, they had a, that Renault had a really strong weekend last time we were at Spa with Daniel Ricciardo flying yeah. through at yeah. the end. Um, obviously, Ocon got to Q3. Yeah. Alonso out in qualifying. It's six all in qualifying between them two now. Yeah. Um, Again, excluding sprint qualifying because that isn't qualifying as far as I'm concerned. He's feeling um, about that. <laughs> but that, that driver pairing's been like, you know, Ocon was on top at the start, then, you know, Fernando was on top, and now it's kind of leveling up, and yeah. Ocon got his win. Like, I mean, I think this weekend it's Ocon because he out qualified, but yeah. it's, it's super. Like, I think that's the closest for sure we've seen of any driver pairing this year. Yeah, it's really interesting because I didn't see that happening at all. No, and same. Ocon has taken all of his momentum through, and I think you have to give it to Ocon. Spa has never been a classic Alonso track for whatever reason. Mm. Never won there when he was in super competitive machinery. So maybe it's just a place that he just doesn't respond mm. to. You see sometimes the Hamilton in Russia and yeah. various yeah. different. There's just a track that sometimes it doesn't click. So that might be what happened there. But um, yeah, it's it's certainly more interesting than I thought it would be at the start of the year at Elfie. It's a really good. And now also that lineup is secured for the future as well. Both yeah. of them are there long term. Obviously, what does that what do their junior drivers think about that? It's maybe another conversation, but certainly uh, yeah. I think Ocon had a great weekend, obviously. Uh, he, he I think, qualified 2018. I think he was second uh, in qualifying in 2018. So he did a really good job. Um, and again, just carry that over. He clearly has pedigree around that track and did a, mm. just had a great well, job. Because that's a really good point you made at the end of, uh, or the start of this season. Um, there was a lot of kind of complaints with Alonso getting that seat mm. and, you know, someone like Guan Yu Zhou or, yep. or uh, Lungard or whatever, not getting the opportunity. But actually, they wouldn't have scored enough super license yeah. points 
to get that seat anyway. So yeah. I guess obviously with your kind of, you know, F2 knowledge and backing and like, I don't know, how do you see those? Because Piastri is doing a phenomenal job this year. Yeah, he really, his rookie year as no, well. he really is. And he's the reigning F3 champion. He's another driver who keeps just ticking off the championships and getting promoted after a single season, which is much harder to do. Mm. It's just because we've had the precedent in recent years that we expect all rookies yeah, to be. We, we see the Leclerc's, the George Russell's, and we yeah. just think that's, that's normal. Exactly. Um, the Alpine Academy put a lot of money in to the careers. They uh, give their academy drivers... Formula One mileage yep. in the old car as well. It's a really well-run program. They give them a lot of support. But yeah, there is this thing at the top of, uh, they clearly thought after Ricardo, we need a superstar to lead this team. And at the same time, they've signed Ocon up to a, it's very unusual to get a three-year deal in the midfield. I can't really remember mm. that happening in the past at all. But they've got that stability. They know it's going to be those two. You stop worrying about the politics of it. You start just delivering the driving. Just focusing. Um, but if you miss out on a potential talent, do you then have to pay to put them in yeah, a Williams yeah, yeah. or something and or an Alpha? And or? that's, I remember when Ocon was signed, I think that's literally the point I made. Like that was a very strange deal in terms of how long it was. Yeah. And to re-sign Alonso, I mean, Piastri right now, he looks like he's ready to go into a Williams. So Alpine need to be almost proactive to but find their juniors a seat. The difficulty is, is hitting the ground running in 2022 is going to be so important. Exactly. I would not be surprised if we don't see any rookies in F1 next year, personally, because you're going to think like a team like Williams, mm. you know, they could have an amazing package there. If I was in charge, I'd be like, I want to make sure I've got two drivers who are proven entities. Um, and yeah, I maybe keep Latifi, you know, if George does go because Latifi's had this experience in formula one, you know what you're getting. Yeah. Whereas a rookie, that's a, that's a big risk. Cause if you don't hit the ground running next year, then you could be up. I, want, I, can, I, I, can, I can see why you'd take that approach. Yeah, I guess you can spin it the other way, going it's a restart for everyone. Yeah, everyone it's starts true. on zero. It yeah. will be interesting to see what that gap, like Perez-Verstappen, whether Verstappen can keep on, because it's like half a second in qualifying yeah. um, on average but this Sergio's year. Sergio's never been a Saturday driver. Yeah, true. If you, if, you want, if you want a qualifying performance, you'd sign someone mm. else. It's just his race craft is invariably brilliant. It's just they're asking him to do Mr. something Tire Management. slightly different, yeah. aren't they? It's, it's, different. it's different when you're being asked to score a podium every week. That's true. And again, that consistency going in. The fact that I think it was the right choice person. But I don't know how we got into Perez <laughs> talking about Alpine. Uh, Aston Martin. Yeah. Obviously, Stroll, Stroll was unlucky because he gave Vettel a toe, didn't he, in quali and mm. then just missed the cutoff. Yeah, positionally, that's a bit mm. of a... He was frustrated on the radio. He was sure yeah. not happy, you, you, you would be, because it's one of those days where you cannot be first over the line. Yeah, um, and they'd all know it. Look, it's human sport mm. mistakes happen, but that was one of them. And it, I tell you what, the, the two things that I was really looking forward to with the Grand Prix is how long George could stay up there. Mm -hmm. Could he stay up there the entire race? Could he mix it at the front? Could he win? Could he? <laughs> yeah, could he win? As Steve, as Steve Jones said on on Channel Four, mm -hmm. you know, the real downer is I think you'd have won, <laughs> which is an amazing line, um, but. Also, Sebastian Vettel, that mm. was that was clearly a day where he's in a really good place. Formula One is appreciating him all over again this year, um, which is really nice because it's clearly been a rough couple of years and you want your champion celebrated. Absolutely. But I wondered whether, you know, when sometimes you just see after quality drivers with glint in their eye and you're like, hold on, you totally, totally want these conditions again tomorrow. Yeah, so yeah. I, it, was a, it was a shame, but um, that was a good luck. That was a good lap. I think it could have been slightly better in his words, but I think that's yeah, a strong Yeah, he did lap say it, it wasn't a perfect lap. 
Yeah, had, having had a little lockup might have been a Lake Home or something. So, but overall, I mean, P5, even though it was half points, good mm. result. I mean, you know what's mad to think? Like before this race, Seb had only scored points in three races out of 11. Yeah. But when he did score points, they were big points. And obviously Hungary was, that's including Hungary being taken away. Um, Stroll was scored points in a lot more races. I think Stroll yeah. was about yeah. seven, maybe eight races this year. Um, but... I guess, you know, out of those two, how have you kind of seen that dynamic? Because again, like you say, it's, it's not been a... I, th I think that team is a much better fit for for Seb as a character as well. Yeah. Um, beyond that, and obviously alongside Stroll, who's got experience in that team, but and he's improved as well. And being the number well. one as well, and just being in that environment again. Yeah. yeah, and also having fun with Formula One. Go yeah. back to what I said earlier. When it's going wrong, it doesn't matter how many pots you've got on the mm. shelf at home, it's lonely. It's miserable. You know that everyone mm. is talking uh, talking about you. So yeah, he. Um, it, it's nice to see him smiling again. It's nice to see him basically on the front foot in weekends. But th that's a that's a that's a nice pairing for the for the yeah. for the team. And uh, it's good to have the Aston brand back. And yes. yeah, they've uh, they've just got unlucky with the regs this year. Yeah. So they're looking forward to twenty twenty two nearly as much as Daniel mm. Ricciardo is. And then oh, we've got to tick the final A team Alfa Romeo. Yes. I mean, Kimi qualified behind Mick Schumacher. Giovinazzi, I think, qualified. Uh, re, re, did he get through Q1? I can't even remember. The, yeah. the, the fact the fact that you're struggling to recall <laughs> says everything about yeah. where they are. Yeah. A little bit of flux, aren't they? Bit, we've had this a lot. Alfa Romeo are just one of those teams where they just haven't really been... It's not just that they've been there. It's just there's not been a spark. Mm. Some, yeah. Something is yeah. missing. And I feel like one thing that I was worried about, and again, I alluded it, I think, in, a, in another episode in terms of Kimi Raikkonen, is something starting to go in terms of the perception, in terms of the racing, not the racing ability, but, mm. you know, crashing in the pit lane, just making little mistakes there and there? Is, is he losing something with the age, do you think? Yeah, I think it, ha it comes to everyone in the end. Because with Seb, but in Aust oh, I think it was at the end of uh, the Austrian Grand Prix, just crashing into him really strangely. Yeah, I, I think eventually it comes to a point where the, the the skills fade over time, and I think that's why he's he's jacking it in at the end of the year because he's done brilliantly and he's provided us yeah. so many so much entertainment. But his time in Formula One is is clearly coming to a close, and mm. like moments like that just just underline why you can't do it into your fifties. Yeah, because yeah. that's the thing. Like if Alfa Romeo want to push forwards, mm. and you know they've made a lot of noise about how excited they are about the new regulations. Yeah, but also I think you know, and I know it's a it's a great meme. Oh, I just do it for a hobby. But it is true that Kimi isn't motivated in the same way. Like like yeah. Alonso, who is mm. still in his 40s as well, he's just turned 40, but Alonso's clearly working on that project. He clearly really loves that team. And yeah. it's, I think as as well as the age, I know the age is a factor, but also it's you can see there's, they're motivated differently. And the yeah. team feels drivers. that as well. The team feels yeah, that motivation. Yeah, You've got a young and hungry Alonso's driver. their hero, you yeah. know? Exactly. So I feel like in terms of Alfa Romeo, yeah, Giovinazzi for sure. What do, you, what do you make of Gio's season so far? Like it's... Got great hair. Um, no doubt. I'm very jealous. That's probably the top line. Yeah, scored points a couple of occasions. Uh, team love him. Everyone likes yeah, working yeah, yeah. with him. Loves the Italian alpha guy. links as well, yeah, which they kind of keep playing on. That's nice. And Ferrari want him to be have wanted him to be in that seat, and they've backed him for a really long time. But I think he would be a little bit frustrated that it hasn't. There have been. It's kind of always been the case with him. There have been flashes of speed, but maybe at the wrong point of the weekend. Mm, yeah, but like he always seems to be phenomenal doing simulation race runs in in fp2 mm. he always seems to, but then maybe everyone else does their homework in a way that yeah. they can't live with obviously you've got different engine modes but um no i think he would have wanted in the in the this year this was the year to kick on and be mm. in the points uh, as much as possible and yeah i think you'll see that 
uh, well, we know that one seat is definitely going to change. It'd be interesting to see the second one. Yeah, I mean, well, look, I mean, Gio is convincingly beating out Kimi in qualifying. I think yeah. it's like 9-3. But then in the races, I think Kimi's just ahead, mm. which isn't a great... It's not a great sign. No, I think that's, uh, that team, and I mentioned earlier, it needs a spark for next yeah. year. It needs someone that just on the right day, maybe finishes P5 in the top five, something like that. But yeah, again, Gio, I think he's doing right. And then the team that took the big W of the day, or the weekend, should I say, yeah. and the day, as far as I'm concerned, Williams. Yeah. I mean, it was a, obviously, you know, Latifi in a Ferrari sandwich. It's a great position to be. You wouldn't yeah. expect him to be there. Yeah. Um, George Russell, P2. Not only a great weekend for Williams, but a great weekend. For, for like Yosuke Pito, they've come in, like, I think. And he was so happy as well. All oh, of yeah. Sweet. He was, it was yeah, right. Yeah. He was How smiling. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, obviously George Russell, and there's not really too much to say about it. Unbelievable lap. Surely one of the, just one of the greatest laps ever in terms of an underdog car. Yeah. And then again, the race was, the race came off the back of qualifying and doesn't matter what happened. He deserved it because of that lap. Yeah. Um, strange circumstances, but brilliant to see. It's one of the best laps of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bang on about it, but yeah. well done to him. Because I'm going to bang on about it. It was it, it, it was nice to it was nice to see all of the. It was nice to see something truly exceptional mm. that belongs up there with. It we didn't get this with Lewis Hamilton, and it's a shame because he went straight into McLaren. Mm. He never got the ridiculous performance like some of the things that Alonso did the Minardi in 2001. You know, we didn't have points all the mm. way through, but he was putting it in the top 10 with a car that had no, no right to Especially there. early on in the season, I remember you know, that scene. Just ridiculously good. So uh, that's what George did. And yeah, great weekend for him. It'd be interesting to see what he can do with the remainder of the season because he's not someone who's going to be like, okay, team change next year. <laughs> uh, I'm going I'm going to take my foot off the pedal. He's going yeah. to want to carry on the momentum. For sure. And obviously Latifi as well, like, a, you know, he's the second points finishing, score, scoring finish of the year. Mm. You know, did a great job in Hungary. I know obviously fortuitous for both cars because of the accidents, but at the same time, you know, that's that's motorsport, isn't it? You've got to ride your luck sometimes. You've got to deliver when you get the chance. Yeah. yeah. Te teams will teams will be more annoyed if the door swings open and you don't convert yeah. the opportunity than than if you've had a bad race in sixteenth. Hundred percent. So he, he did the job when he needed to. And then Haas, obviously Mazepin fastest lap. <laughs> Who saw that coming, by the way? <laughs> On a lap that didn't exist. Just saying. Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, obviously Schumacher. I mean, again, qualified ahead of Kimi. Yeah, pretty impressive. Did yeah. a really good job. Like, he loves Spa. He loves yeah. Spa. So. And with the whole, obviously, his dad obviously making his debut there. Uh, Twenty. Yeah, what was it? Special edition. Crazy. Yeah, the Beard. helmet was yeah, unbelievable. I love that. Ago, and, they were, and they ran that thing on Sky. That you know, the footage of him going around in his dad's car around Silverstone. I mean, so they ran cool. that quite a few times during the uh, during the breaks. But yeah, I think a really good. He's I'm not had, sure they much of a choice. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> just, just trying to fill it run out. VT. For sure, makes you make a great weekend. I think, and really nice to see what he can do in these. Because uh, again, you said mm. Rain is the great equalizer. He has some real pace as well. Yeah, I think he. They just need them to stop crashing in practice and they'll be delighted, won't they? Yes. The, but then they're rookie drivers. You put two rookies yeah. in the car, what do you expect? It's um, true. It's I true. love the way Mick interacts with his family history because... Yeah, you can would, tell he's very proud, isn't he? It's, so it's just really, really nice that he loves the fact that he's carrying it on. Yeah. And uh, he, did a, he did a demonstration lap a few years ago in the 94 Benetton. Yeah, I remember and saying that. And I went that. out to go and, to go and see it go through uh, up the hill. 
Eau Rouge radio on. And I was like, wow, that was one of, that was one of the best parts of the day. And I love the fact that he's, he never hides from it. He never has hidden from it. Um, when he came into Formula 2, more journalists there than most press briefings for a mm. Formula 1 driver. He dealt with all of it. And yeah, he... He's a he's a credit to his family. He's he's mm. done very well, and who doesn't love seeing that crash helmet back in back in Formula One? That was just beautiful. amazing. That was fantastic. Well, actually, you did a livery ranking on Twitter a little while ago, and the Jordan One Nine One didn't win, it which didn't. I was surprised what, about. What one? The McLaren, the Vodafone McLaren, the Chrome. Man, okay. Well, that was the fans, by the way. Let me just say the fans voted for that. <laughs> yeah, <Sorry. laughs> that says a lot. Great. One thing I did want to ask is what um, in regards to Mazepin mm. in Formula Two. Yeah, you know he's a race winner in Formula Two. He yep. finished was it fifth? Yeah, I think um, he wasn't a, like points wise. He wasn't a mile off. Yet this year, I mean that qualifying gap has been. I think it's the second biggest on average yeah. behind um, Sonoda. Yeah, Sonoda and Gasly, and obviously it's up there with Sonoda, Gasly, Verstappen, Perez. Um, you know, it's, I think it's 10 two in qualifying and the only times that, um, is because mate crashed in FP3. Yeah. Um, the, why, why, why do you think that gap has been so big? And I, cause I do think Nikita is closing that gap. Yeah. But and the fact that they're both rookies, it kind yeah. of should have been closer, but it's I expected quite big. it to be closer. Yeah, I expected it to be closer. Um, it's a fair point. He took a long time to get up to speed in his first year of Formula 2. Formula One is another beast yeah. entirely. Um, he will, yeah, he did He did have a very similar formula, first year in Formula Two, where he just seemed all at sea. Yeah, and then yeah. he made breakthroughs towards the end of the year. But I think he would have been horrified at the start of the season if you slapped down and said, after the summer break, the average gap is this. Mm. Because last year in Formula Two, Mick Schumacher's weak point was qualifying. Yeah. Mick's strong point, much like Nicholas Latifi, is the race mm. and, and how he's able to handle tires and, and keep performance. And, you know, he won that title. He kept himself in title contention by being consistent. So consistent. Last yeah. year. So uh, there's work to do there, but there's, there's definitely speed to unlock. Like when you've won Formula 2 races, feature races on merit, no reverse grid, no format changes. Um, he won twice last year. Mugello was a weird safety mm. car timing, but Silverstone was he was the best driver out there that day. So the speed to unlock, um, and he's one of those drivers, just like Sonoda, who needs a big end to the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Because you've got a you've got a like you talked about the teams needing sparks. It changes the motivation mm. when you believe in the driver. Especially and a team like Haas at the yeah, back of the grid as well. Small uh headcount there. So everyone almost carries more responsibility with the team. Yeah. He's uh, he will want to kick on um, but he talks about it. Like he was disappointed we couldn't race on Sunday because he didn't get to learn in the wet. Mm. He's still learning in Formula One. It's a complex beast. Um, but yeah, he's got to close down that gap. Yeah, especially like going into next year, they have written off 2021. Mm. They've said it themselves yeah. because they want to hit the ground running in 2022, but they want two drivers that are actually going to be, mm. you know, and again, Mick seems like, yes, he's made these mistakes and I think crashing FP3 is a bit of a, that's, that's big because you're not even giving yourself a chance to qualify. Mm. But like you say, they're rookies. So they should be allowed. We should be allowing them to make mistakes. And yeah. you know, at the end of the day, like in 2007, when Lewis jumped in, the testing was equivalent to I think it was about I think I worked it. They did yeah. thousands of miles of testing. Of miles. So it was equivalent Sorry. to like 20 odd Grand Prix. Yeah. It was like a whole season yeah. and more of testing before they even started the first. And you've race. been testing for years as well, so it's different. Exactly. But um, Alex Aldas, 
wrapped up. There I think we we're go. done. We've been talking for a very long time. I've no <laughs> idea how long for. I mean, we had yeah. to squeeze as much information as possible. Exactly. Yes. Have you enjoyed your debut appearance? If you book a commentator <laughs> on the show, don't be surprised when the day and the podcast runs long. Uh, guys, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who's listened and watched wherever you are. Don't forget to like the video if you enjoyed this one and subscribe to the Veloce YouTube channel. You should probably subscribe. I think that's a good idea. 100%. They should should probably subscribe. And we're done. We'll see you on the next one.